Oh, there, let's talk sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Baseball. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan. Thanks for joining me to talk baseball today, Jonathan. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on another show. Looking forward to uh, talking about what's going on in baseball so far. Uh, yeah, um, and before we get started, I've got a bit of an exciting announcement as I saw previewed last week uh, so from the 1st of january it looks like all let's talk sports shows will be going live on roku on our own channel which um how we make the show won't change so viewers you don't have anything to worry about that but it should help the community grow which should help with the comments and just make the community that much bigger so I know it's something me and Jonathan's excited about, and I'm intrigued to see um, how it plays out. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely excited. I can't wait uh, for, for the new year, a uh, new chapter in, in Let's Talk Sports, and a new opportunity for uh, for not just our show, but all the shows that have, that take place uh, on the channel. So uh, I'm excited to be a part of it, and I'm excited to see the, the continued growth moving forward. Uh, yeah, um, same here. Um, before we get started, a couple of live comments. Um, Luca says hi. Uh, Luca runs his own channel. Um, I guessed it on there earlier, so I encourage everyone um, to check that out. But we thank you, Luca, for yep. your support. And uh, David Gardet, who's based in New York, a regular viewer of this show, um, also says good afternoon. How's it going? Um, so, um, Jonathan, I know you've got some thoughts on the CBA, which we talked about um, last week, and I know you wanted to offer your thoughts, going a bit more in-depth about certain points. Yeah, you know, it's kind of just saying a little bit. I know there's not been a lot of news uh, early on uh, with the CBA talks, uh, and it's not going to be – there honestly probably won't be any talks between the uh, Major League Baseball Union and uh, the owners at least until after the new year and possibly as you get closer to February. And that's just where we are at. Uh, one of the things that was talked about recently in some of the articles that have been posted is that the players don't feel any uh, sense of urgency to kind of get any kind uh, any kind of communication uh, right off the bat right now. They, they know that they have three months and, and the, the timeline really is when spring training starts. That is when the deadline starts to really pre, uh, be hard pressed. The players don't want to miss time. They don't want to miss spring training. They don't want to miss any games during the, during spring training. They don't want to miss any regular season games. But when we're this early in the season, and, you, and the only ones who really affects right now is those who don't have contracts at the moment. Uh, this is a time frame where you're 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 usually having the hot stove really kind of get going, and we had that for a while leading up until the, the December first deadline. So the players who are under contracts, they're I mean everybody's everybody's in the same boat as far as not getting paid right now, but. You're extending the timeline of some of these guys like a like a Carlos Correa, like a Freddie Freeman, who don't have contracts at the moment. Uh, it, it's really kind of set back their their timeline of when they need to start really preparing for this upcoming season because they don't know where they're going to be, uh, whether it's, you know, like for Correa going back to Houston or, so, or another team or for Freddie being uh, back in Atlanta or another team as well. So it, it really kind of uh, dampens. The, the, the factor of those free agents, and you have a lot of big-name free agents that are still out there. But the sense of urgency that the union has right now is not necessarily in a rush, and, and that's something that 
is going to it's going to really hinder communication of between the uh, the union and owners uh, going into getting closer to spring training. Um, the obviously the owners uh, owners want to get a deal done. They want to be able to talk and get something done. Players want to make sure that they're getting what they feel is is right. And what the the sense of it is is they've lost a lot. And what I mentioned from last week, they've lost a lot of power and the negotiations and uh, with the CBA with the owners. And this is basically a uh, power struggle. This is what's going to be taking place for the next couple months. More likely is that the players want power back. They want to get a little bit more control of how the CBA is being run. And when you give up, as I, as I said last week, as you give up power, it is very hard to get back. And that's where the players and, and the owners differentiate so much right now. There's a lot of different things. We've talked about one of the biggest aspects of the CBA is the free agency. That they, The players want to be in free agency sooner. They want multiple contracts, big contracts, uh, where they don't have to sign a 10-year deal when they're 20 years old and just to guarantee that they get that one big contract and then hopefully maybe get a second one at some point. Uh, they, they're they're waiting so long. Uh, no other sport, NFL or N- NBA, has to have to deal with that free agency and the players do. And this is something that they're kind of wanting to fight back and, you know, get that, get a little bit more control when they, when they're able to start getting those big contracts. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. And that's, a, that's the sad part about it. If you're, if you're a player, if you're in support of the players and even fans right now, they're kind of sitting back and wondering who do they support? And it's always been that way. Uh, and every CBA argument or every CBA discussion that takes place, the fans sit there and say, who, we, who do we side with, the, the owners, the billionaires, or the players, the millionaires? And it, it's, very, it's very disheartening as a fan. And this is something that the player, that Major League Baseball has had to deal with quite a bit over their history is labor disputes. And it's, it's kind of lost them a lot of fans in the time frame. And so the, the fans are sitting there saying, again, we've got to do this again. Who do we support with? Um, it really just all depends on the outlook of what you're wanting to see Major League Baseball be in the future. And right now, it's 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 very cloudy. Uh, both sides don't want to give up uh, their their stance, and it's it's going to be something that once you get closer to spring training, you're going to start seeing some give up a little bit more here and there. But both sides are dug in, and both sides are just going to play it out until they get close to spring training. And it's it's going to be kind of a sad timeline here leading up until then. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, my understanding is that you say both sides know they've got time, so they're sort of lukewarm with urgency. But the one person who wants to see see a deal get done is uh, the commissioner because um, he just wants to know if the uh, spring training will start on time. So um, it'll be interesting if he tries to pressure the two sides into getting a deal done. I expect that to happen to some degree once we get past New Year, would you agree? To a degree, but the uh, the players look at uh, the commissioner, you know, Rob Manfred in this situation, as essentially an extension of the owner. He's, a, he's an employee of the owners. So there's not necessarily a lot of middle t- a middle ground that he can bring forth the players and the, uh, and the owners. It's more of a you are with them. You're negotiating on behalf of, of the owners so they don't necessarily want to see they don't want to necessarily see manford as that that mediator that can bring them together and, and be able to sit down and talk and, and hash out the differences he manford works for the owners uh and that's going to be the, so it's it, what's going to have to be done is going to be the group of owners who are leading the, the charge 
and the and the players union leaders that are leading the charge for the players, and they're the ones who are going to be at some point sitting down uh, and being able to go it, uh, go forth. The the other big issue is the uh, revenue. Uh, players want you know the the revenue sharing a little bit more equal, and in this essence, what it also allows is the the luxury tax, the the um, the competitive balance tax that is out there. The players actually want that higher, which that's where I don't side with the players in this aspect of a higher luxury tax um, on on teams that spend more money. And because essentially that does take away the competitive balance of, of the, um, of major league baseball with the teams like the Rays and the, uh, the A's who are competitive, but they don't have the revenue to match the Red Sox and Yankees every year or the Dodgers. And if you're raising that competitive, that competitive tax uh, overall, you're, you're allowing those big market teams, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, to spend even more money. And why that's a significant thing for the players is the more money that's spent by those big name markets of the teams, the more money those players get, the bigger the market's going to be for the uh, those, those players in those positions and the bigger contracts they get. But it does reduce the competitive side of it. So that's one thing that I don't necessarily agree with the players that saying that they want – they want more comp- they want more competitive nature they want more comp- competition amongst all the teams but then we're going to raise the tax where you know uh, by another 40 you know, let's just say 20 to 30 percent and the Yankees and Red Sox can, and Dodgers can go spend 300 million dollars on payroll compared to the A's who are barely who, who, who I don't think they even scratched a hundred million dollars on their payroll yet so it doesn't really make a lot of sense in that aspect of it. Uh, what the players are wanting for uh, in that, uh, inside of that collective, uh, the competitive balance tax that Major League Baseball implements. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, David um, asked, do you think spring training will start on time? You alluded to it a little there. I actually don't. I think I don't think they're going to miss a lot of time in spring training, but I think they're going to miss some. I, I think that the, the two sides are too far apart. They haven't even had any cut. There's no ground. Usually, usually, and I said, I know it's going to be after the New Year's when we'll start really start hearing more conversations between the union and, and the owners. Um, but I think they're too far apart and both sides are dug in way too much. Like as I said, the, the players realized 2016's collective bargaining agreement really gave them a gave up a lot of things that was in their favor towards the owners and that they're going to want to fight that back. I don't see the owners giving that uh, given any of that uh, away. There's some things that they're willing to give give up towards the players. One of them is the DH and the players do want the DH. Uh, that is one thing because I guess that opens up more jobs for for batters, for position players to be able to get contracts and aspects. And nobody really wants to see the pitchers hit anymore. So, uh, but that's something that, that the owners are willing to give up is put the D, implement the DH uh, universal in the, in the American league and the national league. But as far as the, as I said, the competitive balance tax is being one of it. The revenue sharing is being a big one that the owners are not necessarily wanting to negotiate with. Um, I don't see spring training starting on time. Uh, I, I maybe they miss it a little bit. I don't think they miss the entire spring training. I don't think it goes closer towards the regular season. But I do think that this this lockout will go at least you know a week into spring training. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, and um, before we move on to talk, we're going to do a sort of weekly thing where we look at uh, a rebuild, a side stern, just look at their roster while we wait for 
uh, some more news but uh, David also adds a couple more comments first he also says it's all about money which um, that's the case in any uh, professional sports unfortunately if there's a fandom um, there's all it's always going to be about money in this day and age um, and he also adds major league baseball needs to hire a new baseball commissioner yeah, it, well, it's a business, and that's the thing that you know they they tell us when you get into pro ball. That at the end of the day, there's it's you know it's very rarely personal. It's 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 a business. It's about money, just like any other business that's out there in this in the in the world. Um, you have you you have to be able to uh, stay profitable, and you have to be able to make money, and that's and that's what Major League Baseball is trying to do. They, they've they've had a lot of hardships over the last 20, 25 years due to that ninety four strike. They've had some issues that they've had to deal with, with the steroid scandals that was going on uh, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So Major League Baseball is trying to do everything they can because they see, if you look at the at the landscape of sports in North America, you see in the NFL, you see the NBA. The NBA and the NFL are the most, NFL specifically, are the most profitable or the, or the most profitable uh, sports league in, in this side of the world. Uh, and I know you can you can probably make a com uh, close comparison to uh, European soccer, how they, how profitable they are out there. But on at least on this side of the world, it, it's it's the NFL's most profitable, and the popularity is is grown in the NFL so much over the last twenty years and, and since the ninety four strike. Let's just throw the ninety four strike um, uh, out there that you know the last twenty twenty five years. Um, you know, and the NFL has over, overtaken Major League Baseball in, in popularity in the United States. And everything that the Major League Baseball has tried to do, it has faced even worse backlash because of their own they're shooting themselves in their, own, in their foot. So it, it's they're trying everything they can to make sure that the revenue grows the way that they're doing. That's why they're getting the new TV deals here pretty soon in the next uh, couple of years. Uh, and that's something that's also being talked about in the, in the new CBA and why the, the players are wanting uh, – they're wanting the the revenue sharing to be uh, to change a little bit more, and also the uh, competitive balance tax because they knew that they know the TV deals that are going to hit. I think in 2023, I, I could be a little bit off on that. I think we're about another year away from from those new TV deals. But when that happens, you have a, a more uh, impactful free agency that taking place after that after 2023 when those TV deals kick in. So the money side, yes, it is about the money, and, and nobody's nobody's denying that. Uh, the, and that's why I said the, the ones who suffer the most are the fans because this is the fans enjoy the game. They love the game. They enjoy watching these players play. But at the end of the day, though, the players have to take care of themselves. The owners have to do what's right for their business. And each team is a business. Um, and that's why they have it. The, the league is set up the way that it is. It's a franchise. Each team is its own franchise, having to make sure that they're making money based off of what they need to do. And they're all sharing the revenue as such. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's about the money. And, and, I, and nobody will deny that. Um, the issue where fans come across is where players say they love they, they play because they love the game. They do. Players love the game, but they want to get paid for it because why would they, in the essence of you know a player make uh, trying to make less money compared to what the revenue that the owners are making of those teams? So it's all about you know in, in, in essence of the revenue sharing and how they be able to balance out the money for that from there. Uh, regarding the the comment about uh, the basically baseball needs a new uh, commissioner. Uh, I, I agree. I'm not a, I'm not a Rob Manfred friend, uh, fan. I, I've, I've been very vocal on that over the, la uh, over the last couple of years. But 
why you have these commissioners um, basically continuing to get new contracts from the owners because they will do what the owners want. And you're getting these lawyers that <clears throat> these lawyers like a Rob Manfred, who is very smart. He's very um, persistent in his job as a commissioner that he will do what the owners want them to do or want him to do. So if you're the owners of the, of, uh, of major league baseball and you're the ones who are writing a check for, for Manfred's uh, salary, you're not, you're not getting somebody else different because you know, he will do what he, what his job is for you as the owners of major league baseball. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, um, in regard to um, it's all about money, I don't know if this makes you feel any better. Using the example of European soccer over here, we've got a player what's said to be transferring this year, and agent fees are so much a big factor in soccer, even more so than in American sports, because it doesn't come out of the players' ends. So clubs, for example, there's one transfer going ahead. The rumoured agent fee will be $47 million just for the agent handling the deal, which is astronomical. <laughs> so, um, that's just an example. I don't know if that makes you feel a bit better about American sports, but it's just crazy. And until you get a hold of that, cause it's just crazy that someone can get paid $47 million just for making a few that, that, that just tells me I, I, I went into the wrong sport and the wrong side of the business of the sports. So. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, crazy to think about. And to be honest with you, it's something what um, we've sort of created. Obviously, the fans want to patronize these sports, but the clubs um, allowed it to get so high and now they don't even really control their own sports because it's player power. So the players will dictate when they want to move just so the agents can get the fees. So, um, well, and that's the thing I, I never understood. And, and as a player uh, and as a fan too, I, I never understood uh, what fa when fans see stuff like this going on, or even when a player gets you know a new contractor is negotiating a new contract, how they, you, know, you don't see the the grants the 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 landscape of the revenue or the financial side of the sport where if a player is worth X and the team is making Y, why shouldn't that player you know want to be paid to the what is the equal uh, equal fair share of the revenue? And that's what the argument is, and that's why you, know, you you'll see these uh, these conversations with uh, fans and how they, they they essentially side with owners a little bit more than they do with the players. Uh, just because the, the the players are wanting to get a little bit more of that of that pie, that's it. And think about it that way is that the, the revenue is a pie, and if the owners are getting a you know two thirds of that pie and the players are getting one third of that pie, but the players want a little bit more of that to to at least cut it a little bit closer, why shouldn't they? Because they're the players are the ones who are putting their time and they're putting their effort and they're putting their their blood, sweat, and tears uh, out on that field and, and and making the the money for those teams. So. The revenue sharing side of it, I, I, I think, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting that our fans don't look at the whole grand scheme. They look at it in the aspect of, well, hey, the players are, are supposed to be doing this because that's what their contract states. Yeah, it is. And they're making the money off of what they're doing on the field. And the team is collecting that revenue and then writing a, a check for percentage-wise per player for that revenue that's there. But it's a small percentage of what is out there that the teams are really making. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting it's all a game of chicken because the players will try and make you look at them as if i've come sort of 
from a similar background as you so you should be on my side whereas the owners know it's hard for fans to sort of recognize what i believe in there uh they need this so what they try and say is no you support the team not the player he's trying sort of cost the team more money which affects the team i can put out there so that there's that side of it it's um all the bargain tool and um it's interesting how some of these uh negotiations work out you see it with someone like Aaron Rodgers in the NFL but um I'm interested it'd be interesting how this um CBA does work out because I do think it's going to be complicated I know a lot of fans don't want to hear it and I'm sure it's something we'll talk more and more uh, because I don't think it's going away um anytime soon um so the Chicago Cubs was a team I wanted to profile for this week and we talked a little bit about them last week because we spoke throughout the season when there's trading away certain players that they really wanted to commit to a full rebuild but then they made quite a surprising move bringing in Marcus Stroman and free agency um and um, I know you uh, spoke about that maybe they don't think the rebuild's a full rebuild after all. Where do you see the roster and um, how the hand are in this sort of reshaping of their roster? So, yeah, I, I did say that as far as they're signing a strong, that it was very conflicting on, on what their plans are and, and, and what the Cubs' uh, future uh, looks into. And then I thought a little bit more. And you're not wanting to sell a full rebuild and go uh, and, and, and challenge the Pittsburgh Pirates for the worst team in the division. Uh, if you're the Cubs, that's just not, that doesn't, that's not going to work uh, in Chicago, Chicago. Again, you're, you're, you've built something over the last few years. You won a world series within the last few years as well. So the, again, the, the, the mindset should not be full, you know, tear down completely full rebuild. Let's just bring in, you know, minor leaguers and, and, and tank the season away. But when you bring in a guy like Marcus Stroman, you, there's there's two aspects of you can think of it as if you're the team. One, Stroman coming in and being at you know the top of the rotation guy, you bring in and the, the guys that you have the, the those young pl- prospects actually do take pretty well and they're playing really well and they're competitive and you're saying okay maybe we can bring some guys in we have some money now because we did get rid of uh, we did trade away Anthony Rizzo we did trade Javi Baez we did trade. Um, Chris Bryant. So we have some money more now and we can make a move or two here and there to at least to, to for you know, a, a rental for the rest of the season and be competitive and see what happens. And if we're ahead of schedule next off season uh, for the 2023 season, we spend more money and we can continue to be competitive. That's option A. Option B would be that the team is not that good, but Marcus Stroman performs like he has his, his entire career he has played. You know, he pitches really well. He's you know considered considered in the, as an all star at some point uh, during the season. He's you know, top ten in ERA or you know, anything like that. And he's just he's just performing on the bump for you. You can trade him and get more prospects into your system and to be able to continue to develop and uh, bring him up. Kind of like what y'all what the Cubs did when they did bring in uh, when they did trade and made made a trade to get. Uh, I forgot who they uh, – oh, I'm blanking on some of the guys that they, they made trades for, but they had the minor leaguers, like a Chris Bryant. I know they drafted Chris Bryant. They had 
uh, Addison Russell, Javi Baez. They, you know, they had these guys who were young in their system and then bringing up. So there's two ways that you can look at it for the Cubs that, that with that in the circling Marcus Stroman, particularly to see what's going to be this year. They'll know by May, um, you know, if the season's starting on time and everything like that, by May, they should know what they have as their team itself and what they have with Marcus Stroman. If Stroman's healthy and he's pitching really well, but the team is floundering and, and is not competitive and they're, you know, they're bottom of the barrel in the, in the NL central, He's going to get traded around by the de- getting close to that deadline. They're going to hold him on to him as long as possible through the summer, through May, June, and July as you get close to that deadline. And then you're going to unload him and try to get two, three, maybe even four po- uh, prospects, depending on what he does this year. If you're com- if you're competitive and you're hanging around the Cardinals and you're hanging around uh, in that in the top part of the you know one your uh, second, let's just say if they're second or third place in the NL Central, and they're only about three games behind first place. Keeping Stroman is going to be key. Adding some pieces is going to be another part of it and being able to go. Because, again, they, they got a lot of prospects when they traded, you know, Chris Bryan and Rizzo and Baez this past season. So they got a lot of guys in, the, in, that, in that farm system that they can make a trade for one or two if they need to to bring some guys in and continue to be competitive a little bit ahead of schedule. But it, it, I think – I, 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 they're trying not to admit that they are in a full rebuild. And that's why you go sign a guy like Stroman, because if that happens and you're just not there, you can unload him and get more prospects and say, Hey, now we have no choice, but to be in a full rebuild, this will be hopefully a three year process. And by year three, we'll be back competing for the NL uh, central title again. Yeah. Um, Audrey, um, it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Um, in regard to if they did make that decision to trade Stroman, do they have a rule where he can't be um, traded after being signed for X amount, uh, or can you trade him at any point in the season? Uh, I, 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 uh, I remember there is a there is a rule, but I think it you have to get through the summer. I think it's by June. I think it's June first. And I, I don't, and I'll have to do some research on that. So when we talk uh, next week, I'll have a, a precise answer. But I do think it's June first uh, that you're not able to trade a newly signed free agent. Um, and that aspect of it, it's, it, there's not a rule that you are you you can't trade a a free um, a sign a player that you just signed that previous offseason at all. But I think that you have to wait a certain amount of time, and I think it is June first. But again, I, I'm, I'll have to do some research on that rule to make sure uh, that I'm uh, I'm accurate on that. And like I said, by next week, I'll I'll have that one for sure, uh, for sure answered for you. Uh, but I, I, I'm I'm about eight, around eighty five percent. I think it's June first that they have to wait till. Yeah, um, I'll look into it as well. Um, before close the show, uh, um. David also adds, I love basketball. I wish I was good enough uh, to be to play in the major leagues. I would be rich, um, don't we all? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, we all wish we were at least be able to get enough and, uh, to get to that point of it. And, um, you know, it, it didn't work out for myself either. I'm right there with you, David. I, I wish I wish I was able to stay healthy long enough during during my career and, and at least get get close enough to sniff to sniff the big leagues. But uh, you know, it, it's always a it's always that dream and wishful thinking. Um, and um, I guess that just about wraps the 
show up um i just want to thank you for joining me i know you've got a busy sort of program with your coaching and getting ready for the spring yes we're like i said we're still in uh off season mode right now we're we're uh hitting the weight room hard i'm teaching these girls continue to uh how to properly train uh so we're we're hitting the weight room hard right now we're kind of getting over some some drills going uh in, in practices teaching the girls as much as possible and uh, they're, you know, all of our high school girls are uh, getting ready for their their season this spring. Uh, we had a girl actually just um, commit to a college just a couple of weeks ago as well. So we were able to have that uh, under our belt. And we're very excited for her to, and, and her future this upcoming this upcoming senior year for her. And as well as going into uh, her freshman year in college in, in the fall of 2022. Uh, so we, we've got a lot of big things been going with us in Alpha. And, and we're, we're excited for what the future continues to show for us. Yeah, I'm excited to hear all about it. And um, like I say, thanks for joining me. We'll uh, be back next week. Thanks to everyone for watching and commenting. Um, and until next time, let's talk sport fans.